You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. Hope you had a fantastic Easter weekend, a fantastic March Madness weekend. And I did not do a show yesterday. I apologize about that. We're back here today. Tuesday, had a work trip over the weekend, had a lot of fun. We had a national championship yesterday. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Thank you for being here. Please share the podcast. Comment below if you're on Instagram. Or excuse me, if you're on, comment on Instagram as well. Comment below if you're on YouTube. Uh, comment on Instagram, TikTok. We're everywhere. Please find us. Share the love. Let's grow this baby together. We had a champion, Will Jones, in the STB Sports Take Bracket Challenge. He won the uh, bracket tournament by a long shot. Um, he, he. It looks like he won like 20 of these things, by the way. So I've been texting him today. Uh, we paid him his $100. I've never met the guy. I'm actually excited that it's somebody I didn't know. No offense to all my friends who entered. Love you guys, too. It was kind of cool, though, that it's somebody that I'd never met before, don't know him. Uh, he lives on the East Coast somewhere. I know he's Eastern time zone. I've actually got a Zoom set up with him later today, so I'll air that on tomorrow's podcast. You'll probably see me wearing the same shirt uh, because I'm going to film it today. But uh, Will Jones wins the bracket uh, tournament challenge for STB Sports Day. Got paid the 100 bucks. We'll have him on tomorrow. And we got to start with a recap of the NCAA tournament you know, um, in general, and especially last night's national championship. And we're going to also talk about uh, the Jets, Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson. Uh, we're going to talk about the five guys I said I'd build my my franchise around if I was starting an NBA franchise today. And we're going to talk a little bit about how when you are really valuable to a company or to an organization or to a person, your personal relationship with them, it's crazy what you can get away with. We're going to get into that and how that matters in the sports world right now. But we're going to start with the national championship. Gonzaga was heavy favorites. And I'm going to be honest, I kind of feel bad for the Zags. I thought they would win. I started to get a a little bit nervous as they were just so expected to win. It was almost like they had won. They hit that buzzer beater. Suggs hits the buzzer beater in overtime to beat UCLA in the final four. And it was kind of like they were just crowned the champions. Like, oh, it's fate. It's meant to be. And there was a little bit of that element to it. Like, I, I get that. But I remember thinking, uh... They haven't won yet, and Baylor's pretty freaking good. Baylor's lost twice all season, and they have a tougher schedule. So let's not let's not crown the Zags just yet. And we've seen the Zags get there and fall short time and time again. Um, and last night, they were exposed. They were just straight up exposed. They look like a far less athletic, far less talented, far less prepared version of Baylor. They got ran out of the gym. They were dominated from start to finish. It was not even close. They looked defeated almost the entire game. Mark Few himself on the sideline, he just looked defeated. It, it just looked, you know, friends I was watching the game with, I was like, they need somebody to come in and not be defeated. They need a player to step up, not be scared, not be defeated, not feel like, oh crap, we lost, and go in and hit like back-to-back threes, get a steal, get a dunk, do something to ignite this team a little bit, but they just could not do it. They could not do it. They, they went up against a far more athletic team, and it showed. And if I'm being honest, I feel like some of their players, uh, Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy in particular, I think their draft stock even fell a little bit in the NBA draft. That's how bad this game was for Gonzaga. It was not good. 
It was not good. Uh, I had the Zags winning. I dropped all the way to 28th in our bracket challenge, and it was out of like 42 teams, so that was pretty bad. I was, I was down below the halfway point. If Gonzaga had won, I would have been up above the halfway point, but they did not even come close. But it did. It seemed like destiny. You know, there was there was people that were talking about, um, you know, is this the greatest team ever if they win? And, well, that's an emphatic no. And it's not like that Patriots team in whatever it was, 07, that uh, was 16-0 in the regular season, 2-0 in the playoffs. They're in their third playoff game, which is the Super Bowl, because they had a bye, of course, for the first round. And they lose to the Giants. Well, that, that team, you could argue, still you know is among the greatest ever. Obviously, they're not the Super Bowl champs, so they can't be the greatest ever. But that team was so freaking good. And if they played that Giants team two, three, four more times, they would win two, three, four more times. Um, that was just not their night. Last night was very different. Last night, it was like, oh, this if these guys played a best of seven, Baylor would probably sweep them. Maybe win in five, but Baylor's the better team. Straight up, Baylor's the better team. They were better prepared. They were more athletic. And it was sad. It was sad because Gonzaga has been so close for so long. Obviously, I've got not really ties to Gonzaga, but a little bit just because I'm a BYU guy. They're in the same conference, and so I follow them a little bit more closely or have throughout the years. I've been to several games in person where you know Gonzaga was playing. And I like Mark Few. I like Gonzaga. I like the program they've built. I kind of wanted them to win, and they just they just didn't even look like they were in the same realm as Baylor. It was that bad, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, would they have been the greatest ever had they won? No, even if they had won, to me, they wouldn't have. Uh, and I thought that I actually had all these notes prepared on this screen here of, like, how even if they won, to me, they were not the greatest ever. You know, it's COVID tainted. I think there's a lot to be said about not having to travel for the tournament from spot to spot. No fans. I, th I Having played sports, for me anyway, and again, I'm not, I wasn't a college athlete, certainly not a professional athlete, but I have played sports my whole life. I did play in high school and no fans makes a huge difference in your nerves as a player. It just does. And so the no fans thing was a big deal to me. Um, I feel like at college sports in general, uh, basketball in particular, uh, I should say, has taken a little bit of a hit with so many of the top players only staying for one year or in cases like LaMelo Ball, not going at all. Uh, no Blue Bloods were in the tournament this year. No no Duke, no Kentucky, no North Carolina. Um, by the way, Roy Williams retired. Crazy stuff. Congrats to him on a fantastic Hall of Fame career. Um, but it just wasn't the best team ever, even if they were going to win. Even if they had won, to me, it was not the best team ever. Even teams with more losses like that UNLV, UNLV team, Jerry Tarkanian came to mind. Uh, Bobby Knight had an undefeated uh, team in Indiana. I think went 32-0 in like 1976 that won the NCAA tournament. Uh, they would have to be considered better. John Wooden had several teams that went undefeated. I think he had two or three, 30-0, 29-0, stuff like that. Back-to-back -back seasons of undefeated winning the tournament. You got to put them ahead of them. Uh, John Calipari had like a 38-2 team at Kentucky that I would put ahead of this Gonzaga team. And so, and, and, and it was kind of the same thing that I was thinking it was just the talent level to me I've seen better teams than this Gonzaga team and that was just totally proven last night they weren't the best team even in this tournament now we should be talking about whether or not Baylor is among the best ever because Baylor's only got two losses so we'll dive more into this tomorrow um, it'll actually be today that I talk about it with uh, with Will Jones the winner of our tournament challenge he he dominated um, but that's my take on the the, the national championship 
Hopefully, I think you're going to see Jalen Suggs leave. I wouldn't be surprised if Drew Timmy comes back now, though, for another year at Gonzaga. Because to me, both of their both of their draft stocks took a little bit of a hit where it was like, oh, huh. This is what they look like up against like really tough athletic competition. Even UCLA taking them to overtime was kind of like, eh, really? And, and winning on a, you know, a, a lucky bank shot. But anyway, moving on. Okay, big news out of the NFL. We've been talking Zach Wilson a little bit here on the show. We had Spencer Linton on, and he's the voice of you know BYU Sports Nation, and he's very close with Zach Wilson, has very good inside scoop. If you haven't seen that interview, you need to go back and watch it. It's really, really good. But uh, he feels confident that Zach Wilson is going to go number two to the Jets. We now know, this was not really a surprise, we now know the Jets are for sure taking a quarterback at number two because they've traded away Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. So in return, they get a sixth rounder this year, and then they get a second and a fourth rounder next year. I think the Jets did a good good thing here. Sam Darnold has been among the worst quarterbacks in the NFL for all three of his seasons. I know the Jets are kind of a turbulent franchise. He's had several coaches and coordinators and they're just not a very well-run organization. It was a kind of a raw deal for him. It was a tough situation to be put in. But after three years, I feel like we should be seeing flashes of greatness, things like that. And I just don't feel like we've ever seen that out of Sam Darnold. So if you're a Jets fan, you should be pretty stoked right now. You just got a second-round pick, I mean, and a fourth-round pick next year. A second-round pick is what the Patriots got for Jimmy Garoppolo, who went and went to a Super Bowl year one after leaving New England. Um, we're probably going to see him actually stay now in San Francisco, which will be odd because they're going to have that third pick. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Are they going to take Zach Wilson? Are they going to take Justin Fields? Um, Spencer was convinced that they will take Zach Wilson. I feel they will as well. As a Zach Wilson fan, I really want him to go to the 49ers. That's just a better situation. I think he could go play under uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for a season. Garoppolo will probably get hurt for at least a few games. He could get some good playing time there. But learn a lot from a guy who's smart. I think the, the, the 49ers move on from Garoppolo after this next year. And that's and then they've got a year of progression with which with whichever quarterback they take, and I think it'd be really nice if it was Zach Wilson. I look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who played under Brett Favre, and he came in and just boom was imme- immediately a success when he got the chance to start. I think a lot of quarterbacks, I would dare say most quarterbacks, need a year or two to learn from a starter before they can be thrown into that spotlight to, and really succeed. Uh, Zach Wilson to me has a ton of potential. But I would not like to see him go to a very difficult uphill battle type situation. And that's what awaits, in my opinion, with the New York Jets. Losing franchise, losing tradition, lots of turmoil, immediately has to start, no one to kind of be a mentor there. Uh, to me, the 49ers would be much better. It's a it's a winning franchise. It's closer to home for him by quite a bit. Uh, better tradition, better coach, in my opinion would have a starter that's already there that's probably on his way out. So there would be a little of like maybe a little bit of competition, but not really. It's like, yeah, we're going to start Garoppolo until he gets hurt. Um, and next year he's going to move on and it's yours. To me, I mean, that's look at the ITs about Ben Simmons all the time. Look at what that year just sitting and 
observing and learning did for even his growth and wins his fake rookie of the year when really it was his second season. To me, there's just a lot to be said, especially, especially, especially at the quarterback position. If you can have a year to learn from somebody else and then be, be thrown into that spotlight, then be thrown into that starting position with all that pressure. I think you, the growth is just tremendous. So if I was Zach Wilson, I would actually want to go number three to the 49ers. The money is not going to be that different. You're going to make plenty of money in your career. Um, you'll make plenty of money at number three, a little bit less than at number two, but not a ton less. And you're going to have a far greater chance for success. And a, and success, long-term success, will lead to long-term wealth anyway. And so to me, there's just not a reason to want to go to the Jets other than the pride of saying, I went number two. And that should not be a reason to want to go number two. So we'll see what happens there. But the Jets move on from Darnold. No surprise. I'm interested to see how he does with the Panthers. I don't think it's going to be very well. I don't think we've seen anything out of him that's all that great. The Panthers must have seen something because they just gave away a second round and a fourth round pick next year as well as their sixth round pick this year. Pretty good haul, I think, for the Jets considering how awful Darnold has been for his his three seasons in the NFL. So... We'll see. It doesn't guarantee the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. It does guarantee they're going to take a quarterback, but duh. Of course, they're going to take a quarterback. We already knew that. All right, moving on. Interesting thing uh, over the weekend. We saw, um, I'm kind of acting like it's Monday. I know it's not. I know it's Tuesday, but uh, I did not record yesterday. So, But the Warriors have lost a couple games in a row, and they have a losing record. They're like four games under 500 at this point. I talked a little bit last week about I, how I don't view Steph as that guy, right? Um, and I don't, and I think I was right. I've always not viewed him as that guy. I still think he's the greatest point guard of all time. I just don't think he's one of those few generational guys who can single-handedly drag a team to a title or at least to a a finals appearance like a LeBron James. Um, Kawhi Leonard has proven to be right in that vein. I think Kevin Durant is, even though he, you know, hasn't personally done it because he was with a stacked Warriors team. There are certain players where they just have a different it factor to them. And I've just not felt like Steph Curry had that, um, where I think that other guys do. And I think I've been proven right over the years. Uh, we're seeing that the, the, the Warriors haven't done much at all since KD left. They were horrendous last year. Obviously, they lost Clay. This year, Steph's back. Steph's playing. He's playing most of their games, almost all of their games. He's playing really well. His numbers are all there. But they're not even going to make the playoffs at this rate. Not even going to make the playoffs. Playoffs? Talking about playoffs? No. Remember that quote? No, they're not even going to make the playoffs. And so how good is is he really? Well, then I started thinking recently. I'm like, what does that say about Steve Kerr? Steve Kerr was like this golden child, right? I mean, he takes Mark Jackson's job. And Mark Jackson had worked hard to build the Warriors to where they were. They were they were already on a very upward trajectory, right? And it was like a rising stock, a very obviously rising stock. And Steve Kerr takes over. Year number one, they win an NBA title. That was a, a great accomplishment. That really was. Year number two, they go 73-9 and nine, but lose in the finals. He wins coach of the year. Year three, they get Kevin Durant and win a title, win back-to-back titles. And then year five, they lose Kevin Durant to injury in the finals, lose Clay Thompson, lose that finals, Since then, they have sucked. They've absolutely stunk. So without Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry in the lineup, Steve Kerr has a very, very losing record. (laughs) If that's a term, a very, very losing record. He's not good. Not good. Last year, 15 and 50, okay? 
This year, 23 and 27. And Steph Curry's playing this year. So is Steve Kerr really a great coach, or was he just a guy that could manage a bunch of superstars? Is that what Phil Jackson was? Phil Jackson's got 11 titles. He had six with the Bulls, five with the, the Lakers. But he had superstars on his team. He had Jordan and Pippen. He had Kobe and Shaq. He had Kobe and Gasol. I mean, I'm not going to say they're bad coaches because obviously they're not. I think Phil Jackson is probably the, the all-time greatest coach because uh, if he just won everywhere he went. But he did have superstars everywhere he went too. I'm looking at what Steve Kerr is able to do without uh, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, and it's pretty pathetic. And then I think about guys like Jerry Sloan of the Jazz who never got a Coach of the Year award, which is really sad. Quinn Snyder, look at what he's done over the years with the Jazz and that talent. I mean, the Warriors still have good players. Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Kavon Looney. Like, these are not bad players. James Wiseman, these are these are good players. He should be developing them. That's what a coach is supposed to do is develop young talent, put people in the position to succeed, put them where they're where they're most you find their strengths and you build a game plan around the strengths that you have with each player. You don't put a game plan into place and then try and put a square peg into a round hole. Many coaches make that mistake of trying to force a player to change into their system when really their system should change to fit the players that they have. And I don't know that Steve Kerr's any good at that. I think he was just really good at managing superstars. And even that he didn't do so great because Kevin Durant hated it there. Draymond and him were always butting heads. And Kevin Durant left early the second he had a chance to. So I don't know if Steve Kerr is quite all he's cracked up to be. Honest opinion. I just don't, th- I just don't know that he is. There, the, the resume is saying that he's not. The second he loses superstars, he has no ability to develop young players. None of these guys are getting better. None of them, The record is actually slowly getting worse. They've got their superstar there. They've had good players. Even last year, I mean, they still had other guys that were there that were playing. 15 wins? Are you kidding me? 15? That was like, that was like the worst in the league. So I don't know that, that Steve Kerr is all he's matched up to be. Um, doesn't seem like he is. I think you could put him right there in that light uh, with Steph Curry where it's like, yeah, you're great, but you're not an all-time great. And it looked like Steve Kerr was kind of on that path potentially. Anyway, moving on. Uh, quick note, the Bucks. Resigned every single starter. Tampa Bay Buccaneers resigned every single starter from last year's Super Bowl team. They're the first team since 1977 to do that. The very first team since 1977 to do that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers literally bringing the entire band back. Uh, in my lifetime, it has not happened before. This is interesting. Uh, I still think that the Chiefs have a slight edge, but and so does Vegas. But the Tampa Bay Bucks are right there behind them, nipping at their heels. So. Tampa Bay Bucks re-sign all their starters. Interesting point. Wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Okay, now we're going to talk a little bit about how if you are really valuable to your company, to your franchise, to your you know partner, to your friends, you can kind of get away with quite a bit, right? If somebody that you really love and and you just love them, uh, they're important to you, and they piss you off, you're much more willing to put up with that than you are someone who you don't really know that well or you barely know them and it's just, you know, they piss you off. You're just like, bro, see ya. Like, you're out of my life. Or, you know, you get in a fight or whatever, right? And you see that all the time with family members. That's why family members sometimes treat each other worse than they treat perfect strangers because you know you can get away with it. And we're seeing this right now in the sports world. Uh, Kevin Durant goes and he's exposed with his DMs online of these 
horrendously grotesque uh, rant of direct messages that he sent to Michael Rappaport. Uh, homophobic slurs, just disgusting, awful, crude language, okay? And he's exposed for it. And I haven't heard anything out of the Nets. Uh, we heard a very, we didn't even hear an apology out of Kevin Durant, which I actually appreciated his apology. He just said, I'm sorry people had to see that I talked like that. We didn't apologize for saying it, didn't apologize to Michael Rappaport. He apologized that people saw it. Uh, basically saying, I'm, you know, I'm surprised he shared it. Basically, taking another dig at Michael Rappaport. And the Nets don't really seem to care. Uh, they're paying him 40 million bucks a year to sit on the bench with injuries and just, you know, be a keyboard warrior, DMing everybody. The NBA did fine him $50,000, which is nothing. The guy literally, that's nothing. It's like 1%, not even 1% of what he made this year. It's like a 10th of a percent or something. I'm not, I'm doing the math on the fly here, but it's very little, Okay. And on the flip side, we saw Miles Leonard use a uh, anti-Semitic slur that he claims he didn't even know what it meant, and it was on a Twitch thing, right? But Miles Leonard, he's not super valuable to the Miami Heat. He's not a guy they need. He's not a guy they, they're not willing to put up with that. The second that image of him came out, it was like, see ya, breaking ties. You're no longer a Miami Heat member. Adios, good luck to you. And I don't even know where Miles Leonard is. He's a forgotten man. Why? Because he's not valuable enough to the franchise for them to put up with that stuff. That's why I think, and I've talked about this, that's why I think that the the middle ball brother, we've seen LaMelo and Lonzo, uh, Lonzo being the oldest, LaMelo being the youngest, they're really good. And so I think teams are like, ah, we can put up with the dad, right? But Leangelo, Jello, the middle child there, I think he's probably talented enough to be on the end of a bench somewhere in the NBA, but not for what, not for the distraction that his dad brings and the headache his dad brings. No thanks, right? He's not valuable enough to put up with that stuff. Kevin Durant is, and Miles Leonard is not. Uh, I would dare say that that Kevin Durant. I mean, both of their things were pretty awful, but Miles Leonard's thing was was one word that he immediately emphatically apologized for and claimed he didn't know what it meant and said he was going to be better. Kevin Durant was like several of these, just message after message after message after message, all of which were extremely offensive and awful um, in in similar in a similar way that Miles Leonard's was, the Nets are fine with it. The NBA kind of just has to do something. So they're like, oh, we're going to charge a tenth of a percent of your salary for saying that stuff. And he's still on the team and he'll be fine and life will go on. Um, now we just had Paul Pierce, right, who's already viewed by many as not the greatest uh, broadcaster, not the greatest commentator, not the greatest analyst at ESPN. He's frequently made fun of. He kind of has these crazy takes where he wants to put himself in the same spotlight as like a Kobe Bryant or something like that. And he goes on Instagram Live, and I remember seeing this. It was on Instagram Live, and he was clearly you know, under the influence of some sort, alcohol, drugs, I don't know, but it was pretty clear he was under the influence in his eyes, as well as the fact of that he was doing the things he was doing. And it's pretty risky. I'm not going to show it, but he's got some dancers of sort. There's a lot of skin involved. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, a very advanced PG-13, okay? And, you know, they're drinking and partying and twerking and just doing a lot of stuff, okay? And I remember thinking, like, he's going to get fired tomorrow. Like, he's getting fired. 
And sure enough, he got fired. Uh, they, they, they parted ways, right? AKA, he got fired for putting half-naked chicks on his Instagram story and partying and doing whatever he was doing with substances, right? And why? Because he's just not good enough at ESPN for them to put up with it. It's not worth it. They're owned by Disney. Like, this is an image they want nothing to do with. The second it happens, it's like, sorry, bro, you're out. You're out. You're not the Kevin Durant of ESPN. You're the Miles Leonard of ESPN. You're out. I'm sorry. We'll see ya. So when you're when you're valuable, bring value to the table because man, you can get away with a lot if you bring value to the table. And so Kevin Durant does, Miles Leonard not so much, Paul Pierce not so much. They're both looking for jobs. Um, okay, last thing I want to touch on. There was one more, but I'm going to get to it uh, tomorrow probably. Um, but I had put together uh, my five guys that I would build a franchise around in the NBA if I were to start a team today. And those guys, and it was all young guys, of course, because it was like the next five to 10 years. So not just like, you know, for today's season or this year, even this year and next year, but we're talking like five plus years. So minimum of five, closer to the 10 range, seven, eight, somewhere in there. So the guys I picked were Zion, Luka, Giannis, Jokic, and Donovan Mitchell. Well, you know what's funny is those guys are amazing. And I t- I said that Zion and Luca were like 1A, 1B. I flipped back and forth between which one I think is going to be better long term. Uh, Luca has been on a tear. They beat the Jazz last night. He's actually finally shooting the three really, really well. He's up slightly above 37% on the season now, which is a drastic improvement for his career uh, by like 5 5 to 7% from previous years. So Luca is really learning to shoot the three better. And if he can keep this up... Uh, he, he would be 1A and Zion would be 1B, but they're right there, right? Like you can't go wrong. They're both young. Zion's 20, uh, Luca's 22. But I started thinking, would that team, that starting five, okay, Luca, Zion, um, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis, and Jokic, okay? If, with those five, it, right now this season, could they beat this year's Nets at full strength? That's how good this freaking Nets team is. So I started thinking, I'm like, okay, Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, LaMarcus Aldridge, those five. If I put those five at full strength up against the young five of Jokic, Giannis, uh, Luka, Zion, and Donovan Mitchell, I think the Nets still win. That's how stacked this Nets team is. It's unprecedented. It's like among the most stacked we've ever seen a team be. And I think I would still take the Nets team. The question is, can they get healthy? You know, they they did they played a game without Harden and, and uh, KD, and they lost. And then they won last night barely. Kyrie's not that guy. We, he's definitely not that guy. We're talking about guys like Steph Curry not being that guy. Kyrie is definitely not that guy. He's great as a sidekick, like a, a Robin. You know, we saw him do that with LeBron. But we've seen him try and be the man on teams, and they're actually worse than they are without him. The Celtics, the Nets... Uh, the Cavs before LeBron teams are just, he's not, he's not the number one guy. He's not ever going to win a title as the number one guy. Mark my words. He will not do it. Um, this year, he's very clearly the third best player on his team. It's obvious to everybody except him probably, but he is the third best player on that Nets team. And it showed that, I mean, when Harden was just running the show and Kyrie took his vacation and Katie's still hurt, and they just kept on plugging away, kept winning with with James Harden. Kevin Durant comes back; nobody's going to stop him. Uh, but when Kyrie is the man, and those two are gone, they lose. So, I mean, they did win last night, but it was against the Knicks, and they barely won by like two points. But 
I think that, that Nets, this Nets team at full strength is unbeatable. I'm going to do my power rankings tomorrow. The NBA released theirs today, and they had the, excuse me, they had the Jazz at number one, uh, which is probably deserving just of like what have you done for me lately. The Jazz did lose to the Mavericks last night, but they're nine and one in their last ten. Nets are seven and three, and we still don't know, you know, when they're going to be fully healthy. I think we should see Kevin Durant back soon. Anthony Davis as well. Uh, we'll see. But that Nets team, I think they would actually still beat the five superstars that I went through for teams I would build, my, you know, players I would build a franchise around. That's just how stacked this Nets team in is. It's it's absolutely crazy. Um, okay, there was uh, there was a couple other things I had, but uh, we might save them for tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have Will Jones on tomorrow's podcast, breaking down the tournament and his success there and the challenge and the tournament challenge that he's had. You guys are amazing. I will see you tomorrow. I am out. Peace. We got the we the Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Yeah, the